0: Hello and welcome to the Filmmakers Podcast. This is a podcast where we talk filmmaking. From indie film to studio films and everything in between. How to get them made, how to make them, and how to try not to F it up. In our very, very humble opinion. Today, we're talking about making an indie feature in LA with the team behind LA Overnight. And how you can write a feature, produce one, and star in an indie and get it made on the streets of LA. I am Giles Alderson, director and co-writer with Johnny Grant of the psychological horror film The Dare and The World of Darkness. And I produce Staten and Poppy Cousins Row, a serial killer's guide to life, which is now in post. We're coming at you from Skype today, an occasionally shoddy form of phone line, but it's free, so why do we complain? So if you like this podcast, do subscribe to us on iTunes or retweet us on Twitter. Go there, find at FilmmakersPod and do your best. Check out our other podcast episodes with acting legends Mark Strong or Rupert Grays or director Jamie Thraves, or Joey Anser. There's loads more. Why not? Treat yourself. Joining us today to talk filmmaking is the team behind the brilliant noir thriller LA Overnight. Leading ladies Arielle Brackfeld, Ashley Park, and the screenwriter, co producer, and he also stars in it, it's Guy Jackson. Hello, everyone.
1: Hello.
2: Hi.
0: Hi. Uh, so we're all on different Skypes, which i love so we're all in different places so why don't you tell everyone whereabouts you are Arielle, let's start with you um
2: i am currently in rainy glendale california um, <laughs>
0: wow how rainy is it is it as rainy as england because we've had a lot of snow oh, oh, oh
2: no we we cannot make that claim but the, the amount of rain we're getting is rare for la
0: right right okay good That's nice then. So it's still warm. You can still wear a t-shirt, but it's raining. Yeah? Okay. Good, good. Uh, And Guy, whereabouts are you?
3: I'm in Silver Lake, uh, which is kind of another part of LA. Uh, uh, And it's also raining
0: here. (laughs) Right. Right, So it's kind of traveling across. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. (laughs) Ashley, whereabouts are you? Are you in LA as well?
1: i am also in la i'm on the west side and it's also raining over here <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: there we go it's raining everywhere right now love that. um okay so this podcast is all about helping people get off their asses and make their first film or the harder part keep making films make their second films so let's start at the beginning um how you all got into filmmaking how you became who you are um because, uh, Ariella, obviously you're an actress, you produce, you write, um, you've done so many genre films. Um, do you want to uh, tell us a little bit about you? Tell us, what, how did you start? What was your beginning in the first place?
2: Sure. Um, I was a theater geek in, in elementary school and, and middle and high and, and was fortunately able to participate in the local film community in Colorado. mm mm-hmm. um, and uh, actually, fell in love with with filmmaking through a fan film called Return of the Ghostbusters.
0: Oh, that sounds amazing!
2: <laughs> it has a lot of heart and a lot of mistakes, but a lot of heart. Um, and uh, it's it's actually the same group of filmmakers that I moved out to LA with. After, after we uh, left home school.
0: Well, and what happened with that film? Because making a fan film is... is uh, one of guys who came on the podcast uh, before, Tony Cook and Gene Flays, they talked about they made a Superman fan film and how difficult it was because there's certain guidelines you've got to do. Is it the same with the Ghostbusters <laughs> one?
2: Yeah, we uh, we actually got a uh, season assist from uh, from Sony at one point. Um, and this is, you know, this was before Kickstarter and Indiegogo. This this was back when it was just message boards and PayPal. And um, it was it was the first feature length Ghostbusters fan film. And uh, we actually got a lot of community support. Believe it or not, there are a lot of ghost heads out there. And uh, it was so it was a phenomenal community support. Uh, element, but also terrifying. Getting a cease and desist letter from from Sony. My my advice is to make it. You know, it's it's you aren't going to be able to to sell it or, or make money off of it. But if you connect with uh, a franchise and and you want to add your voice to that ongoing story, do it. I mean, there there's going to be fans out there that appreciate the the new voice that you bring to it
0: absolutely and because of that you can then show it to people you can show producers casting directors of your work and you know and it's we already know what it's about we already know it so yeah that sounds brilliant
2: the the entire budget of the movie was under five grand um back in the paypal days
0: wow Uh, so
2: we it got us our first gigs out here uh we were we were able to move out here based off of um introductions and stuff we got off of that movie and and that team and uh it made la a lot less scary moving out with a group of friends
0: i bet i bet so you made the fan film and you you made um chemical peel as well you made the 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 haunting of wally house um (laughs) and snake out of compton as well recently um so how you obviously built up really nicely um how when you first came out to la how was that and how was actually trying to get work
2: la is terrifying I mean it's there there's a lot of truth in in Los Angeles overnight just with how daunting the the process of working in this industry is I mean not not just as an actor but as a filmmaker mm-hmm. um, and and I don't I don't think that that. I don't think that that fear ever goes away because it really is gig to gig anyway. Even when you do start working, you you don't know what your next project's going to be <laughs> until you get it.
0: Absolutely. Um, yes.
2: <laughs> so it's like uh, uh, there there's I I don't I I don't think that LA is ever going to be welcoming to to filmmakers trying to get their career started. But there are fantastic communities out here. You just have to know where to look. Um so I think coming coming out with the group of friends from film school helped tremendously because it gives you a base. It gives you people that'll work on your stupid projects. And uh you know um hey, hey, I, I need you to run camera. Okay, okay, I'll do it. But you need to run sound for mine next week. Okay, fine. Like,
0: um yeah that's great though isn't it that's kind of what you want you want that lovely community around you and the spirit and, exactly. and if you find those people you hang on to them and you know the ones that yes. are good and the ones that it's the same here you know you, you obviously when you're first starting out you come to London it's like All right I'm gonna make films well how do you do it LA always sounds like it might be an easier place but it's not there's just more of you over there right I mean therefore you've yeah. it, it's it's even harder to break through
2: you know it's it's really interesting just because like I, I really only got heavily into producing I'd say the last three years mm-hmm. and up to that point I was focused solely as an actor and I felt so disempowered and so just thrown to the winds of, of this industry as an actor and only when I started heavily producing um, Chemical Peel was a good a good intro into that in terms of like a quote unquote real movie not not a pre-existing franchise <laughs> 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 Um and, uh, you know, like actually just seeing, okay, we can take responsibility for making our own stories. Yes. Um, we, we, we can actually take our career future into our own hands. It's one of those with technology that's available now, there is really no excuse not to... Make films. If, if you have a story to tell, the best thing you can do is try and tell it and get off your ass and, and do it. And there is no guarantee of, of overnight success or even sustainability. Mm-hmm. But you, you have everything that you need to, to make a film and be a filmmaker. Ashley just produced her first her first feature as well.
0: Yeah Ashley you've you know you seem to have a wonderful career. Tell us again before we get on your producing work how what was your start? Where, did, where What was your background?
1: Funny enough my background was always in athletics. I was a cross-country and track athlete for about 12 years I think competitively and I started off with broadcast journalism, that was my major, and somehow I just decided I wanted to take some acting classes, and I did, and found I loved it, and just started acting at that point, and recently, just this past year, I tried producing for the first time, so... Um, and I also was doing pageantry randomly in the middle there. So it's kind of been a, a random journey for me.
0: Yeah, that sounds, well, it sounds great. I mean, and, and in terms of the producing side of it, how did it feel sort of going, do you know what, I can create my own work?
1: Sure. Well, I produced a film and about, it was, it's a true story film, uh, is what it was intended to be. And it's... Um, It was something that was very near and dear to my heart. I put a lot of my heart and soul into it, and I executive produced and produced it all alone. (laughs) So it was quite a task. Um, I had a cast of about 40 people, and uh, it was a very large undertaking for a first-time producer. So I kind of learned a lot of things the hard way, but I was very proud of the work that I put into it and um, for the amazing cast and people that came on board to help.
0: Wow, sounds good. What's it called?
1: Uh, it's called Surviving Theater Nine.
0: Great. Okay, we'll have to check that out as well. And um, yeah, uh, congratulations. So, how, so the whole process of doing that must have been liberating.
1: Yes, it was. It was definitely something very, very new for me. I'm currently getting my MBA in in uh, marketing, and I'll be done in the next month or so. And wow! So it was
0: loads yeah, of different so things. It it's Amazing.
1: I know. I like I said, very random. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was it was really, really, really eye opening to kind of uh, work on a project where I was. Responsible for uh, getting it all together and putting everyone together, and I have to say, everyone on Los Angeles Overnight helped me so much. I can't tell you how many times I reached out to people, and I'm like, "Oh my gosh, I'm dying! Help me with this or help me with that." <laughs> Who do you know? Yeah. <laughs> so. Amazing when you have a great community of actors, producers, writers, directors—just people who understand how hard it is to make your own film and uh, how difficult and uh, grueling it can really be. And um, I was so grateful for the number of people who jumped in and helped.
0: That's great. Um mm-hmm. Guy, let's talk to you about your lovely journey as well because you're you're a novelist, you're a screenwriter, um you're a producer and you act as well. Um you wrote the short film Gentle Lovers <laughs> as your your <laughs> first film. Do you want to tell us tell us about your journey as well?
3: Well, I I was always loved film when I was a kid and stuff, Uh, but then I took like a weird turn through theater in college, and so I sort of did theater for about ten years, and and was in Chicago doing theater, and and then uh, I moved on to even weirder thing—not weird, but uh, (laughs) uh, uh, I would write these uh, short stories and perform them perform them at open mics you know because i was like i don't want to spend four weeks rehearsing a play anymore i'm just gonna go and perform but then of course the time you spend rehearsing the play is the same amount of time you spend waiting for your spot on an open mic night so it was all anyway (laughs) so (laughs) this is all just a waste of time but so yeah i would perform just kind of be a storyteller except my own stories and and I did that for a while and it was kind of just just as uh, film was changing over to digital so um, our struggle was we actually got real film to make that movie Gentle Lovers and we sort of went bankrupt because (laughs) it costs a lot of money to process film so Mm -hmm. then I moved to London and uh, with my wife Holly and uh, she sort of picked me up off the sidewalk in San Francisco and moved to London. And I got a hold of this pirated uh, editing program and a camera and just started making those crazy little YouTube videos they have all over there. Yeah, and so then I was completely ready for Michael Krisolakis to come along and say, Hey, you want to just make this movie in one weekend?
0: <laughs>
3: and that's uh, and obviously... Five awesome. years later, Los
0: Angeles overnight you <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love the fact he you started off with, do you want to make this over a weekend? Yeah, we'll just do a feature film over a weekend. Sure, why not? It's almost that naivety and that sort of get up and go spirit that you kind of like, look, fuck it, let's just go and do it. And then you sort of realise what goes into it and how long it takes. But that gumption and that, you know, not knowing sometimes goes in your favour because once yeah. you've done it you realise how hard it is and how much goes into it and you're like if I knew that would I have started off the same way but mm-hmm. um, you know that's, exactly. that's what gets you through I mean you've got a great cast you've got Azim Rizk you've got brilliant people like Peter Bogdanovich Lynn Shea Dan Balkaban. Camilla Jackson as well, Julian Bain, Reuben Pyre, Lib Campbell, Jamie Lee Ackerman. I mean, it's a really cool cast and it's a wonderful film and we're going to get onto that. But I really quite like the fact when you talked about the table read and you talked about auditioning. What What was your first thoughts, girls, when you first got the script? Arielle, let's start with you.
2: I had just started a position um, as a film project manager for Los Angeles Unified School District uh, for their arts branch when... Uh, Kimmy Yan, who, who's another producer on the film, uh, called me and was like, "Hey, you know, we're we're doing this very unofficial impromptu uh, read, and and I think I think you you'd be great for for the lead if you want to come down and do that." And I didn't realize that that was serving as my audition. Um, <laughs> so, and, and afterwards, Guy and Michael both came up to me and were like, "We we'd love to offer you the part of Priscilla." I'm like, "Oh, wow, that's." Awesome! I would love to take it. You know, she's phenomenal. Of course, um, yeah. How nice. <laughs> and and at that point, you know, it was it was no. It, everything was very upfront. Like, okay, we we have you know these four days scheduled at this point. And we're looking to film across weekends. I'm like, I totally understand. I'm completely there with you um That's that's what you do with low budget indie films. Um, yeah, you shoot when you
0: can. Cool. Yeah, you shoot when people are available. If that's what you've got to do, you haven't always got the luxury of doing three weeks right. solid or you know longer if you're lucky. Yeah, you've exactly. got to break it exactly. Open. And you've got to and, work and as well. You've got to you've got to earn money and do yes. your, your, your real job in that sense. At the time, you've got to go. Okay, I've got to carry on. um Exactly, no, It's a great way of doing it. And it
2: was it was. It was just it was amazing because i got to i got to participate you know at at the top like i actually brought in azim uh risk who i had known from um a fencing place that i that i you know frequented as both an instructor and, and teacher and we uh we ended up uh doing some jedi sword fights on set when we were bored at one at one point which was really fun um and, uh, you know, it was just like I would worked with Ruben uh, Plaw and Chemical Peel and a few other films. So it was like it was it was really in the world of the community that that I already knew, which was phenomenal. And it was my first opportunity to work with Lynn Shay and, and Sally Kirkland and Peter Bogdanovich and um, but the the audition happened without me knowing it which was which was really funny that must be um, yeah
0: that's nice isn't it the fact that you, you, <laughs> you could just do a table read and then suddenly you, you know they're offering you the part that's a lovely way to audition in, in a sense isn't it <laughs> it
2: was lovely i mean that that is the most stress-free audition i've ever had exactly.
0: um. <laughs> Ashley, was it what about your audition Ashley? what, or what was your impression of the script uh, when you first read well
1: it? i I did a more traditional audition actually came in and did the whole, you know, nerve wracking mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> in front of the camera audition. But no, I um I don't mind it. But yeah. I When I first read the script, I think I was really excited. Um, I was pretty new to acting and I had done a couple of things uh, before that, but still pretty new as an actress and kind of getting my feet wet in the industry and learning Hollywood. And I just felt like it was going to be something really really cool to work on so i was super excited about it
0: That's, it's lovely to hear and i imagine guys over the moon to hear that too it's <laughs> it, it's got this uh, obviously it's got the david lynch feel to it it's got Coen brothers uh-esque sort of it you know it nods the hat to all that sort of l.a noir-esque idea of filmmaking and, and the feel of it it really is a great film uh, guy when you were writing it was all that in your mind were you really thinking i'm gonna go for a noir take i'm really gonna you know this is the market we want to aim for when you started writing it tell us about that process
3: like i'm a very weird uh, oh sorry you can probably hear my dog oh,
0: what's your dog called
3: his name is Clyde. He's uh, he's out in the other room, oh, so he lovely.
0: should we love dogs. I've got a dog too. Yeah.
3: <laughs> I'm kind of a, a pretty uh, surrealist yeah. writer, and and so it was actually uh, good for my writing help that that uh, 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 Michael came along because he he's very he's kind of the straight man in our little comedy duo and he set me these boundaries and actually had the initial story for LA overnight. He's like, I, you know, his, his thing is thrillers and he, he started in a lot of short films in Australia uh, that were all thrillers. And so he, he's like, okay, I want to do a Hitchcock thing about LA and, um, and i want a, a, a waitress and she's an actress and she's struggling and she overhears something in a restaurant that's and go with that <laughs> <laughs> and so, but the story came from And I was like, "Oh, I don't know. I'm not really a Hitchcock guy." And he was like, "No, no. It's okay. You write good
0: emails." (laughs) (laughs) How great would that be to get a job on every time you write a good email? Uh, Well, your email was very succinct, so I'm going to give you a job in this uh, for this newspaper.
3: (laughs) But this was after many years of not getting a job. (laughs) Of course, you have to pile up the uh, the debt, and then Mm -hmm. (laughs) then you get.
0: Exactly, yeah, you pile up all the ones that have faded and the yellow edges, they're all up on the, the corner of your office, I imagine. Yeah, and there's right at the top the one that, that they say yes to. Yeah, we've all been there with that. Um, Michael, the director, told you this idea about, you know, he, he wants a, a waitress and she's an actress and she overhears something. And then you, how did you run with that from there? Did your mind just go wild and go, right, I'm, I'm just going to check these ideas in and see what works?
3: Well, geez, it like, took me... Uh, crazy long time time to write it seven months you know it was good for me because I had really uh, we're talking about how tough Hollywood is Mm -hmm. uh and I think that's important to your podcast really so I I should say uh you know uh it was I was at a place where I was like I can't I can't write screenplays maybe I'm not cut out for this because I had been reading for a uh, one of the screenwriting contests. That's quite a, a big contest out here. I can't tell you which one, but <laughs> cause I'm a secret reader, but, uh, and so I re- I was reading about 500 scripts a year and I was like, what am I going to write? That's different than these. And I sort of wasn't trusting the, the way I write, which is very surreal in the first place. So, so anyway, Michael, um, Michael kind of really gave me a chance. He was and and said, "Well, you know, stay within the." I mean, he didn't say this like a Nazi or anything, but he's, he he said, "Stay within these." You know, he basically was essentially giving me boundaries, and then I could sort of just bounce my weird characters and weird ideas around inside those boundaries. So we still came out with a a, a, a slightly understandable story. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, Then I got into watching a lot of noir, and then I fell in love with the way that noir has this really stylized dialogue and, you know, this kind of pitter-patter stylized dialogue where everybody's saying a quip every sort of (laughs) few (laughs) seconds. And there was a wonderful movie uh, I really remember called Heat Lightning. Which was in probably nineteen forties like desert noir, all filmed out in Joshua Tree. And you're seeing this in the huge Egyptian theater in LA and the dialogue just took me away. I'm like, ah, oh, that's great. I can write that. You know, so that it really was a a huge confidence boost, like <laughs> at, at a time when I needed that. Sure. So still took me seven months to write, but
0: <laughs> <laughs> but you managed to do it. Uh, and congratulations for doing it. So you, you then finished the script and you handed it back to Michael and he went, great let's shoot it (laughs) what was the process it
3: was like oh you're just humoring me you're just gonna shoot the whole movie because you don't want to tell me my script's bad
0: (laughs) yeah Uh it's it's such a bad script i can't tell him i just have to shoot the whole thing and spend a year of my life if not more (laughs) making this thing yeah (laughs) didn't want to hurt your feelings
2: though like it's it's one of those things where you know you you get used to people blowing hot air out here you know so it's it is like until until you actually start filming you are kind of like oh are is this gonna fall apart are they full of smoke you know it's like do they actually really want to make this with me you know Mm. so i i think that that's a very real feeling that that we all have where it's like oh okay cool i'm on board this project i really hope it doesn't fall through
0: Yes, I suppose that must happen quite a lot more in LA. It does happen here a bit, but I I've heard it happens in LA a lot and you you attach yourself to lots of projects. You're like, yeah, I'll do it, but you know, you don't necessarily expect them all to go through. So that must have been a nice yeah. moment for you for you both when suddenly they're going, "Oh no, we, it's happening and we're shooting these days." That must have been great.
2: It was phenomenal and and I just remember like each time I I mean just you you can you can echo Ashley's sentiments uh, uh, about, you know, just how kind and nice this crew is and how humble, you know, there was never ego. It, It was, it was always just, let's, let's get the shoot done. You know, let's, let's make sure everybody's doing it to the best of their best of their ability. And, both michael and guy were the kindest sweetest filmmakers in in that capacity like well if it, if it's not too much trouble you know let's try and film one more take of this i'm like yes we're here let's do it this is so true
0: <laughs> yeah absolutely if you're there why wouldn't you just Get on with it and go. Well, we're here. Let's shoot another one. Let's 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 do shoot another one. Right. So I'm going to tell everyone what LA Overnight is about, and then I will play the trailer. Los Angeles Overnight. It's stylized. It's darkly comic. It's satirical neo noir, depicting a city where everyone is chasing the dream of overnight success, uh, especially actresses. So it's after years of a futile struggle on LA's grueling audition circuit, would-be actress Priscilla um, is bitterly contemplating a permanent return to a humdrum hometown until one fateful morning in a diner where she waitresses. Priscilla overhears seedy regulars discussing a bizarre riddle that hints at, that hints at hidden loot. She recruits the love lawn mechanic Benny um, to help crack the code that would fund her Hollywood ambitions. But as the pair encounter a host of colourful but dangerous criminals, it becomes clear that the loot is hot, hefty and blood-soaked. Trailer plays. 15
4: 14 Deeper, deeper still. Deep, with every breath drifting. Eleven, ten. Even now, forces you know nothing of bring you the tools to make your way.
2: I'm so sorry that this is late. I...
4: Your mind. Manifest success. You smell of fear, Chris.
2: Welcome to the part where you have no friends, and no parents, and no movie roles, and no commercial roles, and no nothing.
4: God. I have to cut your hours. Seven, six. The universe flows to you. Applejacks
2: are down. The rabbit hole. What? What are applejacks? Money. Pick me up at three. I'm gonna ask you a favor.
4: Five. Four. That fortune sides with she who dares. Never fear darkness. Even now, the hour pushes in. Even now, destiny taps its foot. It's Florence!
2: belongs to me.
4: Three, two, one. I
2: didn't know it was your
4: money. Eyes open, but not awake. The closer we get to the light,
0: the more we want to scream. Boom. <laughs> um, so yeah, how did you get people like Peter Bogdanovich on board, or Lynn Shea, who's obviously amazing in *Insidious* uh, as this is a creepy sort of wonderful psychic lady, and in *Something About Mary* as well? She's just wonderful. How did you get those two guys on board, Guy?
3: Lynn Shea came along through one of the producers, and um, and she just knew a lady. who It's all like you, you know, it you know, it's so weird because you. You get here, and for a few years, you don't meet anybody, and you're like, Ugh. and then you start to like know people, and you're like, oh, I know this person who knows this person, and and so when we got Lynn Shay, that was like this huge confidence boost and injection because she she was she's pretty uh, uh she's a really big deal in Hollywood because of the Insidious movies, yeah, um, which are not you know and the rest of the world they're kind of just horror movies, but here they're very impressed with Lynn Shay because she's uh, she's uh, uh, she's only in the cat she's only in the category with like Meryl Streep and one other actress who can o- uh, who is that age and opens a movie you know like gets a big box office in for that first opening weekend so she's it's Meryl Streep and Lynn Shay you know <laughs> in the Hollywood and everybody's like wow she's amazing so so how, yeah um, so how
0: did you get her for for yours then for your sort of well micro budget movie
3: we just we just knew a friend of, or somebody knew a friend of hers and we got her the script and she liked it and then she showed up to the set and you know and my you know keep in mind every time somebody was like Oh, I like the script. I'm like, yeah, right. Lynn Shay's going to show up. (laughs) And then she shows up and I'm like, she's not going to want to do any of these lines. (laughs) Yeah. She's (laughs) going to come and have
0: all her own. She's going to be rewritten the whole thing. Yeah. Who wrote this?
3: It was, it was just miraculous to us. And then once we had that huge confidence boost of her, um, Camilla Jackson, Mm -hmm. uh, sort of came in as a, as a new producer almost. And, um, had met Peter Bogdanovich because she does uh, Camilla Jackson does this, uh, does all kinds of things, but she was doing this series of interviews in her apartment,
4: okay.
3: uh, for this horror broadcast in uh, Australia. So she would get people like D Wallace from ET and, and Peter Bogdanovich uh, had made the movie targets and she got a few other horror people up to her apartment. <laughs> and, <laughs> And she's like, oh, Peter, I'm producing this movie, you know, uh, do you want to read the script? And then we had Peter Viganovich and we were like, he's not going to show up. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and he did. And that's just wonderful. How many days did you actually shoot with Peter? Because obviously all his stuff is in the one wonderful psychotherapist room, or that's the idea that it's psychotherapist room. How many days did you actually shoot with him?
3: We only shot with him for one day, I and knew he it. was very sleepy the whole day, because he was <laughs> trying to promote that movie with Jennifer Aniston that came out, that he is kind of a screwball comedy. I'm not quite sure what it's called. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, he had just put out that movie, so he was really tired that day, and so he sort of just sat in this room off to the side, and, and we... Just kept filming, filming, filming in that, in that crazy, and that was the hottest, hottest space that we had gotten. And we were all just sweltering and sweating. Um, and, uh, yeah, so it was one day of, of filming with Peter Bignanovic. And it ended really weird. Uh, cause, um, he had, he has all these sort of voiceover lines. And so I was sitting there with his, and he didn't memorize his lines, So I was sitting there with his, his cue cards, uh, <laughs> and, like, and he was, they were just sh- shooting his face straight on and just really recording his voice. And so I was just flipping his cue cards. So basically I was like, Uh, sitting there going so Peter Bogdanovich do you like this line that I wrote for you and how about this line and and then that's what it felt like like oh my god he's just (laughs) you know and so there let me present to you my writing
0: (laughs) (laughs) exactly (laughs) you know it's so nice isn't it when when someone of stature in, in, in the world that you love and you want to be in actually likes your work and wants to do it and and wants to be part of it. Yeah. That's, that's, it's really nice and he's great in the movie and I think everyone is, I actually really enjoyed it. I enjoyed everyone in the cast. I thought everyone was really strong uh, and everyone should see it. It's really cool and it is available now everywhere, um, which we'll talk about again at the end and it will be in the show notes of where you can watch the movie. Um, okay so how was it actually shooting then actually how, how did you get permission because it's so beautiful what is shot I mean Stefan uh, Coulson has done an amazing job it just looks so yeah. rich and amazing and um oh, oh, wonderful to the eye and very pleasing to watch so you know and it's a great story so it really helps um how did you get permission to shoot in LA how did you go well, about shooting it
2: I, I know that a lot of times it would be Michael would call me up and say, hey, I found this great mural. Uh, I found this great street art. Are, are you available such and such day at such and such time? And, you know, so I'd, I'd go down there and, and meet them and and get, you know, get, get a shot in front of the mural or, or in front of, uh, you know, the, the various locations that, that they found. Um, but I I do know that, like, it was a lot of uh, guerrilla filmmaking (laughs) but a lot of it just going with that indie spirit was very much done on the fly um you know done to uh capitalize on on the locations available in la and um what what was phenomenal about uh steven our our vp was he you know he's able to have a low profile (laughs) as well due to uh the camera and and everything else that um that that he preferred, so we didn't need to lug around a lot of lights. We we did makeup in Cindy the the makeup artist's car. You know, it's like we we had a very low profile at these places in in LA um, to uh, to make sure that we could actually get them on the on the show's budget
0: yeah um, yeah that, that's it's, it's proper indie filmmaking and it's it, it, you know sometimes <laughs> in london you, you you do the same thing you sort of go okay we've got to get this shot we've got to go do it this way but you know it's going to be just hope someone doesn't say anything or have you got permissions and occasionally yeah. someone will um here it depends on where you're shooting
4: you
2: sure? yeah
0: and would i mean and, that and must I, happen in la more often oh
2: god People will turn on their, their car radios, you know, and, and hopefully get paid like 50 bucks cash to just go away. Like it's it's impressive. Um, everybody kind of is is up on what's happening and it's, it's whether or not you choose to uh, call somebody on it I guess if, if somebody's in a bad mood and, and it looks like a big enough production they'll absolutely try <laughs> and get something out of it uh, well, if they can be in the because well, yeah, they're
0: so used to people filming and they, they go well if you're filming you've got a load of money and therefore you should be exactly. paying for my walking <laughs> space you know um, you're like no no well, we're just indie filmmakers oh, a lot of the time we go we're all students and they look at you and go you're not a student no way <laughs> well there must have been that sort of you know you've got peter bogdanovich you've got lynn shea you've got others and yet you're going okay well we might shoot this day and um, we've got this location but we might get kicked out and we've got you know right. Lin shea here and they might just go sorry you can't film here and it's like oh my gosh that's yeah you don't want to <laughs> feel that way Probably. right how was that guy
3: Oh, we definitely uh, made sure that we wouldn't get kicked out on Peter and Lynn's time. Oh, good. <laughs> those, those locations were all very assiduously rented and God, done yeah.
0: right. Fine, fine. Yeah. Uh,
3: the, uh, but any time we had Ariel, man, we were just like, oh, meet us under the bridge at four o'clock <laughs> <morning.">
0: <laughs> It's brilliant. Yeah. Let's yeah. just go shoot. Shoot and do it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And I mean they don't they don't
3: it's funny in LA like I I really wish LA was more like you'd walk out your door and you'd be like oh so and so shooting across the street cool you know and but you you, you kind of don't see as many filmmaking crews as you wish you did I mean I just wish everybody was film running around and filming all um but they don't they don't really bother you If you, as long as you don't have a a bunch of lights and cables draped across the sidewalk, I mean, if you're just a camera and a, and a dude holding a mic, then you're, you're kind of okay to get away with it. And we were, but we were always terrified. Uh, we were going to get some big fat thousand dollar fine or something like that. Mm. So, but, uh, but no, they never bothered us.
0: So, so what would you say the best way to film in LA is what's the tactic (laughs)
3: Um, don't ask permission but um, but we did have insurance like we weren't Mm. being stupid like we we had, uh, you know, like when we did stunts, we had Azim who was a, a fight coordinator, and we were very s- safe about everything. And we had insurance if anybody broke their finger or whatever. So we we wouldn't have been like... Just specifically you know,
0: finger, anything oh, else, say, and you fucked.
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't <laughs> want to suggest any guerrilla filmmaking or give anybody any bad ideas or anything, but... If you want to go film, you know, on the bike path, just uh, beg forgiveness, unless and, <laughs> and and not get the permit, but do do definitely have insurance because because if somebody.
0: You know. Absolutely, I, yeah, hundred percent agree yeah. with that. Insurance is the main thing because people's lives potentially can get people do get injured on film sets a lot of the time. So, uh, I, yeah. I, I hundred percent agree. Insurance, get your insurance and try and do the rest for as as cheap as you can. um You know, you've also got some amazing like. You've got top shots, big drone shots on the beach. You've got the big drone shot with the car when you're by the car guy. And then you've got uh, the lovely shot when you're doing all the running towards the end and you're going down the hill and you've got that beautiful vista shot. You know, that wonderful production value you've managed to put into this film. Again, those locations, was it a case of, look, we know LA pretty well and we're we're just going to go, right, this is where we're filming and we're just going to go for it and we stick a drone in the air until someone tells us we can't
3: yeah we were terrified with the drone too like yeah you know you I kind bet. of have this feeling like i'm filming i'm filming and i'm eating broken glass <laughs> yeah. but uh because i'm so nervous that i'm gonna get arrested or i don't know what you like now i'm like i don't know what we imagined would happen nobody's gonna really anyway but uh Yeah, the drones, uh, had drones had just started, started to become popular. And so Michael was, Oh, you gotta, these drones, we gotta, we gotta, get a drone. We gotta get it. So we had like two drone guys and then Michael finally rented his own drone and, and, uh, and (laughs) he's like, I'm going to learn how to make a fly a drone. So we just, me and Michael at one point were running around doing drone shots. Um, and then the locations, uh, 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 One cool thing, like when I was in London making movies, I was always like, oh, the doorknobs are different from American doorknobs. (laughs) You know, and all that stuff, and so I saw where Michael was seeing LA like that, whereas I'm just like, oh, it's boring America. But Michael was like, oh, there's there's palm trees, and mm. and so we were just sort of wandering around LA, uh, finding all these locations. And I like to, uh, you know, explore a lot on the um, in the hills. So that's so right. That's where
0: yeah, same as me. Come. When I went to LA, it, it, it's the same as you guys coming to London. You see this wow look at this and look at that and we go yeah yeah no no we've seen it it's the same you know when the same when we come to LA and Michael's Australian so he'll see the same thing and go but look at this and this is beautiful and I imagine it reminded him of the movies he'd seen and the things that looked great and that you know he go I can shoot this and I can do this and you're going well yeah all right but you know he he saw it and Honestly, the films—it's—it's it's stunning to watch. Um, talk talk us through the sort of the the moment you'd, you'd finished the film, you got it edited. How long did that take? How long was the process there from actually finishing shooting to get it uh, ready?
3: Yeah, well, this should give every indie filmmaker hope. But uh, <laughs> um, uh, a dose of reality. But, you know, we it was like you were saying before, we just were down the rabbit hole so far, like a like a and going after a rabbit like that. We had we couldn't turn back, you know, and so we just it was somehow astonishingly kept filming. And so it took nine months of shooting um on weekends because Michael and I and Ariel all had day jobs mm-hmm. and then and and um and Michael had like booked a European vacation <laughs> already in the middle <laughs> and we thought we would be done <laughs> and we weren't and and Ariel's husband, Hank was Hank Braxton. He was really super helpful. Like he did all sorts of tech stuff for us after we got the film done. But but, Ariel was like, I'm coming home to him and he was like, yeah, you're still shooting that movie. (laughs) (laughs) But it went on forever. Nine months on the weekends, basically. And then, um, and then it took another six months for Michael, uh, largely just Michael and a girl named Melanie Annan to edit it. And then to find a distributor took like a year.
0: And, How were you doing um, that? Were you just sending it out to distrib- distributors? Were you doing screenings? What was happening?
3: Yeah, and we had terrible time getting into. It. We only gotten into a couple festivals, and wow. and we wow. and finally Camilla Jackson. Um, the producer went to work at this place called arena Cine lounge mm. and arena Cine lounge is owned by christian mioli and christian mioli became our executive producer and he's the one who finally found our distributor for us but that was you know that from the beginning from michael saying write the script to now it's been five years so yeah. it does take a while people have to just be like okay this is gonna take a while and I'm going to be married to these people mm-hmm.
0: for, for <laughs> so five I've a, years.
3: I've seen them every day, <laughs> and
0: even know? longer. You know, it's not going to stop there. You know, you still be doing uh, stuff for it in a year's time. I imagine it just keeps going. It never ends. Yeah. Yeah. So how was the how was the first screening, Ashley? How was that for you when you were sort of like maybe it's the, uh, if you did a premiere or something, or you know, a sort of cast and crew screening.
1: <laughs> going to the, I think it might have been the very first test screening. Um, I was just excited to see it. Uh, it's, it's come a long way, you know, they, um, it was much longer and, uh, it's, it's really, when I saw it recently at the premiere, um, I think that was, I want to say that was my, it might've been my second or third time to see it, but it was just so tight and fluid and just, so well edited and it was really cool to see the process actually for me you know the first time I saw it I wasn't freaked out at all by anything just because I have been through the producing process I know what it's like when you're first going through raw footage to your first cut to your second cut to who knows however many cuts yeah. before you get there and um that's one thing is you know, it's so helpful as an actor to also produce because you will never complain on set again. It's just you get so used to everything. Nothing phases you. And so it's a really great learning experience.
0: I love that. It's so true. It really is. Every actor should do some producing, understand the other side of it. And then it makes you a better actress as well or an actor. It really does. Um, i agree because you, you just yeah there's none of that bitching moaning when you're on set going always oh, this way you, you know you understand what's going on it's huge it really is aria how was it for you
2: it was very surreal sharing it with people that we had made this with with blood sweat and tears and knowing the hard work that went into it and knowing that there is no overnight success and and that there is no you know golden ticket um And, and then sharing it also with people that have the tinsel in their eyes and the stars in their eyes that Hollywood gives people and like, you know, just getting this weird, like star worship thing when I'm not anything big, you know, yet. Um, So it was, it was surreal for, for a lot of, a lot of those elements, but mainly it was just joy getting to actually experience this with people that you know we had gone through the trenches with like these are battle buddies when you're filming
0: (laughs) totally totally true it really is it's battle buddies the same with my movie the dare yeah i had to do some reshoots it was a year later that i could do the reshoots when the studio was free when my actors were free it's a whole year later and that it's battle buddies they're there forever you know and you know hopefully when the movie comes out late this summer that you've still got that strong bond it doesn't go away um yes Yeah, and
2: and it's interesting too. Like I I had um, I I produced and directed this documentary, this PBS special that got Emmy nominated. Wow! And and that that happened last. That happened in twenty seventeen, where we went we went to the Emmy ceremony and like huge. Thank you, thank you, and and like, but just seeing that world. You know, and and living and breathing the indie world, where like you're you're over the moon if you get a hundred grand for a project. Mm -hmm. You know, yep. Like that's big budget for the indie level. Big, yeah. And even in LA, (laughs) even in
0: LA is that big because it's big here. You know, it's big enough. Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
2: Yeah, I mean, you you are drooling over a a quarter million project, thinking that it's out of reach. You know, it's Mm -hmm. like you to to get. to to just see that the disparities between the tiers of filmmakers and, and it really just reinforces again, the struggle and like that there is no guaranteed element um, that you can pursue for quote unquote success, but, but to appreciate the success that you do have, like be proud of a movie like this. To be proud of a role, to be proud of your co-stars. I mean, I am thrilled. I am so thrilled for the performances that, like, Ashley and Jamie and and Ruben and Azim, like, everybody gave their whole heart to this project. Yes. And it shows. It really and, does. And so you, you get to celebrate real successes. With people that you love and admire that you went through this huge journey with, it's, it's phenomenal having a project you can be this proud of with people that you love and admire and are thrilled for and are thrilled for you.
0: Yes. Um, that, and
2: that is success.
0: That is success. And you all should be very proud. Honestly, it's a wonderful film. I want everyone to watch it. Now, tell us where can people see it? Um, Guy, you might be the best to describe this for everyone.
3: Uh, yeah, actually, <laughs> actually, up, maybe not. <laughs> I might pick up this email that Michael sent me with all the platforms. But um, um, it's it's uh, most probably it's on iTunes. Uh, in the UK, it's it's on the Amazon UK site now. Mm-hmm. Um, and also in America, it's on Fandango now. Uh, uh, let me see if I can find this email Voodoo. It should be it should be pretty much everywhere now like um except it's not on Netflix or or Hulu Yeah, you do or, that
0: last. Do that last. Sort of,
3: yeah. Yeah, you do those those last. So it's first it comes out on the video and demand things mm-hmm. like
0: Yeah, where you uh, can earn the actual money on
3: YouTube yeah. movies yeah. and um but I'm not sure what you guys get over there but it's definitely on Amazon UK for you guys.
0: Great. I'll put all this in the show notes. Guy, if you can send me that email with a list i'll put it all in there so people can get it our uh, viewers all across the world uh, listeners even listeners across all across the world will be able to uh, find where they can watch this movie and i really recommend it if you like noir films if you like thrillers if you like brilliant acting and a brilliant film that's beautifully shot and i'm not blowing smoke up anyone's ass i I mean it i really enjoyed this film it was right up my street I, i enjoyed every bit of it um It's called L.A. Overnight, and honestly, go check it out. Go watch this movie and support indie film as best you can Um, because that's what it's all about, supporting each other because we kind of forget that sometimes when we're making films. Um, and what's been yeah. great about me doing this podcast is I've been able to watch a lot of really cool indie movies that I might not have seen. And I, I can only do my best to recommend them to everyone as much as I can. And our listeners yeah. will love I'd,
3: this. I'd say that now that we've been through this, I don't mean to sound like a veteran or something, mm. but to these to these kids today out there who want to make movies it 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 really doesn't matter where you are you don't have to come to hollywood and be homeless on crack for (laughs) yeah preferably not yeah and 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 you can stay in omaha nebraska or or uh 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 uh, Cumbria in England
0: (laughs) Cumbria yeah (laughs)
3: um and and the technology is you know they say that they say there's always that dude that or that quote about if filmmaking would just be as cheap as writing then then it'll become a true art when everybody can just pull out a piece of paper and a pencil and write a book yeah you know then film and so it's really getting like that and the equipment is very cheap and you can get all the stuff you need Mm -hmm. um anywhere you are and um and and all you got to do the only secret that you learn in hollywood really is getting somebody else's money
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's true that's the secret that's what we're all after getting someone else's money so that we can go make films right there it is right there that's the secret the secret to indie film right there someone who has money to spare yeah yeah someone has money to spare yeah and if they're going to invest it in a film they usually do uh they do it for the love of it great stuff uh guys this has been so fantastic thank you very much for your time um so where can people follow you on social media we always like to help uh you know get extra followers and people like to follow who they've been listening to so actually let's start with you where can people find you online
1: uh, really, just uh, Instagram. I don't do a ton of social media, so Instagram at EXO Ashley Park is the best
2: place to find me.
0: Super, uh, mm-hmm. Ariel.
2: Um, I am trying to stay more connected on social media, uh, so I'm I'm on Instagram at Ariel Brackfeld, uh, A R I E L L E Brackfeld, B R A C H F E L D. Twitter at A Brackfeld and uh facebook at ariel sarah brackfeld and then i have a, a page i really should do more with at ariel brackfeld so <laughs> um, but the the nice thing is is you'll get lots of ninja turtle photos and cat <laughs> pictures
0: and who doesn't want well. that who doesn't want that exactly So nice. exactly. <laughs> and guy what about you what about yourself
3: this sounds like a this sounds like a therapy uh, a, a social media anonymous group. While well, I used overused social media for several years. Now. I- come to rest on <laughs> Facebook and uh, Facebook. Our, our page is called Los Angeles overnight movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can all follow us there. And then I'm, I'm just on Facebook as Guy J Jackson on Twitter as Guy J Jackson. And we also have a, a, a Los Angeles overnight, which weirdly is called at LA underscore overnight on Twitter there. Yes. So it's, it had the old title.
0: Love it. Um but you can follow us at filmmakerspod on the Twitter. You can follow me at Giles Alderson. Um if you've enjoyed listening to this, please like, share, and subscribe to us on iTunes. Um if nothing else, give us a little thumbs up. If nothing else, give us a lovely retweet. la Overnight or Los Angeles Overnight is available now. It's on Amazon in the UK, it's on many other platforms all across the world. Check it out. It's wonderful. Ashley, thank you very much for your time.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much.
0: Pleasure. Guy, thank you. Thank you so much. This
3: has been a real pleasure. Thanks. So cool to hear an English accent, too.
0: <laughs> thank you. And Ariel. Um, um, thank you very much as well
2: thank you and and again thank you so much for the work that you're doing to support indie film and i look forward to watching your movie as, as soon as it comes out
0: i thank you very much everyone will know about it by then i'm sure i'll be doing my best um guys thank you so much i really appreciate it we'll uh, um, remember everyone else uh, next tuesday the episodes are always out tuesday that's a given um thank you very much see you later bye let's speak soon
4: Thank, Bye, you. Bye. Thank, Bye. You Bye. Thank
0: you. Bye, guys. Thank you. Bye.